20 square box. Blocks. Blocks. 20 square blocks. We would have met in 2016. We did, that's when I was doing a couple of plays. And then at the end of that year, tried stand up for the first time. Right here in Ballarat? Yes. Now you you live in town. Do you still live a few blocks that way? Yeah. Well, this was my other question is this is 20 square blocks. Let's not look into this too much. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm within 20 of where we are right now. Yep. It's not easy throwing caution to the wind and following your dreams. Although some may argue, slugging away at a job you have zero passion for isn't easy either. But at some point in our lives, most of us find ourselves at this exact crossroads. Job chatted to me about why he chose the path of most resistance. If you can tell me... Mm. Your name and a little bit about yourself. I am Joe Baxter and, well, I don't know how I, do I say comedian when I haven't made a dollar? I don't know. I do comedy. That's how I always explain it to people. And then I get 20 minutes of advice from someone who doesn't do comedy. <laughs> that's, that's actually interesting. Now, I've got some advice for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Don't, it's too triggering. No, I was just going to say this. You ask, are you a comedian? Yes, you are. Are you a professional comedian when you get paid a dollar? That's a good, that's how I should view it, mm. really. Yeah. Have you ever been paid for a gig? Well, this gig's paid, isn't it? I stopped, no, I stopped asking my guests to pay me. Yeah. <laughs> well, they stopped paying you. That's right. Yeah. That's... Hang on a second. I've got another question. Yeah, okay. Butting in. Yeah, go. What, what do people say? What, what sort of advice do they give? I'll probably be all right to tell this story. It was like a, a family event and it was like a friend of a family member and she oh, they're said, the worst. Yeah, I know, because you are not friends with this person and you never would be. And you can't tell them off. You can't tell them off. No. You're behind enemy lines. You can't say anything. And <laughs> she said, what do you do? And if I, because I used to do teaching when I was doing comedy. And so, like, I could always hide behind that and just say, "Nice, I'm a teacher. But for some reason, I felt brave and I said, <laughs> I do comedy. And she must have known I did teaching as well. And her advice was, but I didn't ask for this. Like, this is just out it comes. She said, well, i tell you what you should do. What you should do is become a principal. Oh, good idea. Because then when you're talking at school assemblies, yeah, that's your audience. That's your stand-up to Yeah. I, it's like, I don't think you know what either of these jobs are. <laughs> the principals are always funny. Yeah, always the best. You always Everyone right now listening will go, oh, yeah, he was hilarious, my principal. No, they weren't. <laughs> So, you just sit there and nod, so. Yeah, it's funny how people will do that for certain occupations only. Yes. I don't think many doctors no. have <laughs> no. patients coming up to them saying, you know what, you know yeah. what? I know you're in paediatrics, yeah. but have you ever thought of doing like- A kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> it must be something about the creative side of things because my fiance is a data scientist. She doesn't get this ever. <laughs> she never gets this. Do you know what you should study? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know the mean curve? Yeah, yeah. i tell you what you should do with the main curve already. Away. So you're a comedian and I interrupted you. What, what were you going to say? Um, yeah, and that's – this is um, pretty much the first thing I've done since I actually quit my job. So I, I sort of have to say this is what I do full-time now. Right, so, so you quit your job. So I was teaching and doing comedy. Right. And then last week – we haven't, yeah, like I was already lo- locked in to do this and then, <laughs> then it happened and I'm, I'm out, so. Huh. So this is it, yeah, so. You had to quit though. You'd, yeah. Because of the incident. 
Legally, I was, but I felt like it was the right time. I felt like, I felt like it was the right. I thought we were going down a powerful road of like, <laughs> you just need no backup plan. No, it's it's criminal charges. <laughs> um, I mean, you joke, but you make a good point that like I probably would have been fired at some point eventually because I was working as a substitute teacher and I would just. The worst was I woke up at eight thirty-five a.m. for an eight fifty homeroom. Just the care was not there. I'm assuming you decided that you want a career change. When I was training to be a teacher. Which was what year? When we met. The year we met in 2016. Oh, that's a while When ago. we did those, that play together and stuff. So that's, We'll get to that, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So that's when I was trained to be a teacher and I was starting to get into performing huh. and stuff. And always when I was like a student teacher, always I think I already knew. So I thought I'll just work as a substitute teacher while I do comedy mm-hmm. until I get a paid gig. And then got to January this year, which is about uh, four four years in to comedy and teaching at the same time and just sat down with my fiancé and said, how do you feel about paying for all the bills for a bit? Because I just feel like I need to just go hard at this full time. Yeah. And the plan was six months um, and let's see how we go. Ooh, that's not much time. It's not a lot of time, which is what my fiance said to me at the time because she's much smarter than I am because she's a data scientist, of course. Hang on, six months have passed. Six months have passed. <laughs> we had another chat. <laughs> and Aim said, I think you can't go back to teaching. That, that was last week, so that was it. We did a play together. We did do a play together. Was this the South Street one we did together, yeah? Yeah. That's when we met. It was such a weird... I remember saying to you when I met you because it was community theatre and they, like, I think we rehearsed a scene together and then afterwards said, hi, I'm Ben, hi. Did we? <laughs> yeah. Because right. I remember, like, that was my first sort of experience with this whole world. I was like, is this how people do it? You just sort of, like, huh. you start going... Cause, as in, it wasn't us. It was just, like rehearsals and just bang straight in so Mm. i was talking to someone about this the other day so i came into the cast late Mm -hmm. and so there were many scenes where they just didn't have something for me right and so the boardroom scene was meant to be just a table and i think we had like 10 board members or something and that had already been written and they tried to throw me in Mm. during rehearsals like oh we'll do something in here and so their idea was what if I don't know if it was your character or someone's character. Whenever this person talks, you just repeat their line and it will be like a funny thing. Like you don't have any ideas of your own. Point number three on the agenda this evening is the Memorial Theatre. We need some resolution on this point. Well, I think we need some resolution on this point. Thank you, Sam. Can we please let Tom speak? Let Tom speak. And it was putty in my hand to me because I loved it because it was just like you can improvise. There were no set lines. It was really just like, just sort of copy what the guy's saying, but do it whoever you want. And it went really well. Like, when you're 22 years old and you're in front of a live audience for the first time. That was the first time you're in front of a live audience? Yeah, I hadn't done stand-up yet. I hadn't done anything in that way. And so, like, I... That was, like, heaven to me. It was just like, what? Like, we're doing, like, a show. We did, like, eight nights or something crazy yeah it was a good run and i i got a wrist which i'm wearing today actually i got a wristband so what's with this wristband what's that it, it's just like a mental reminder to you like got a wristband from doing that show yeah i buy cheap ones so they they wear out and i have to replace them but 
the concept is the same. Okay. That just reminded me of like, oh, just hold on to this, like keep performing. Right, you loved it that much. I loved it that much, like in whatever way. It doesn't have to be a play, but just like, it just, I don't know, the bug was, it was like, I was in after that. I loved it. Have you done anything in front of a live audience since then? So I think I did two or three plays that year and then at the end of that year, tried stand-up for the first time at the main bar, which I believe you have done an episode on. And if you're listening and you are thinking of trying stand-up for the first time, I'm not the person to give you advice, but the only thing I can tell you not to do is what I did, which is I worked at a call centre at the time and I told everyone that I was going to do it for the first time. Oh. Yep. So the front row was my girlfriend, Mm -hmm. her friend, two other girls from work, just entire front row. And like the main bar is like, it's a great space, but it's not a big space. Mm -hmm. So if you've filled up the front row, that's about a third of the audience. Right, yes. And it was, obviously I just bombed. Of course you did. Yeah. (laughs) It's your first time. (laughs) It's my first time. I I got tangled up in the microphone cord. Like it was a really bad bomb. Like she was, she still agreed to marry you. Different girlfriend. That that one was out. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) No, Amy hasn't seen me do stand up, which is probably the key to the relationship surviving so long. Um, It's funny that like someone took a photo of me doing at the time and you can't tell from the photo. From the photo, you would think that's just someone doing stand up, but Mm -hmm. inside it's someone for the first time going, oh, there's 20 people and they don't think any of this is funny. You know, the thing is, of course, everyone in the audience is is rooting for you. They're all saying, come on, come on, you can do it. Tell us a Tell us a good one. We'll laugh. Yeah. And I think the thing with bombing is you're almost the best thing is to, is to, because when you realize you're bombing, that then starts going on in your mind of like, oh, I haven't got a single laugh yet. So then your confidence keeps dropping (laughs) as you keep bombing, which means you're less likely to get any laughs. So it's just this nose type of an experience. It can even be material that has worked with other people. That's what's weird about it. You can just deliver it slightly off or they can hear that you're scared or whatever it is because I've told that story since, fine. I've had bits work that I then... Interesting. Like it's just you've got to do it the exact right way for it to work. It's a funny thing. So I did stand up again and it was great. The difference between those two gigs, for me personally, was I started working with the crowd. And once I was doing that, then I was, it was, I remember thinking even at the time on stage, like, oh, this is not work. This is so easy. Whereas like trying to do that, like that prepare stuff, which you still have to have a lot of writing behind it. But just doing prepared stuff for me was so much harder than getting into a back and forth with an audience member and that was just like it I've never done drugs in my life but I was like this must be what it feels like I was like on stage it was just this like euphoria and I remember walking away that night going oh I remember this feeling I know it seems like I have like a wristband after a show and then I go remember this? <laughs> I'm very sentimental but yeah just remember this feeling because it's just such a motivator to remember no I can do this So 22 years of age, walk into the community radio station here. 
Voice? Yeah. Is it, is it Voice? Voice, little plug for Voice FM. Wake up with local talk, local interviews and local news. Say hello, Ballarat, 99.9 Voice FM. Honestly, it was the best. I've only been into like a commercial station a few times, but like the vibe with a community radio station is like we all just love radio. Yeah. And we're all just like everyone's just helping each other out and like you have like I'd come in and so my show was from six till seven on a Saturday night. So it, but it's that's the weird thing is like I just walked in. I'll give her a name because she's great. The lady who runs it, well, she did when I was there, Helen Barr. I just walked in and said, oh, I want to do like a like a comedy show like between playing songs. And she just went, great. Yeah, six to seven work for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, such trust. Just let me have a crack. You know, like, would be there if you needed help, but didn't, like, tell yeah. you what you could and couldn't say, didn't supervise it. Like, it was great. Um, so you just sort of have this free thing where, like, you can take callers, you can play songs, and, like, and, like, because it's radio, like, it's community radio, but there are a couple of people listening, and we only knew that because they would call up occasionally. Right. And say, can you play this song or whatever? So, like, we knew there were people uh, listening because they would call mm-hmm. up because I tried to do this thing once where we must have tried to call a mate um, and, like, have them as, like, the call on oh, air. Oh, fantastic. Were they an old woman? Yeah, they. Yeah, Marge. She was there again. Oh. <laughs> and because um, she's a cockatoo, of course. Of course. And because I'm so – I mean, you would have seen setting up the podcast here tonight. Like, I'm so bad with technical stuff. And I pressed the wrong button. And so – what went out on air for 20 seconds was just this high pitch. Like, just so annoying, so high pitch. And so, like, 22 years of age, community radio, get a call. It's like 6.30 on Saturday night, and this bloke goes, I just want you to know that that was the worst 30 seconds of radio I've heard in my life. <laughs> and you just have to go, okay, thank you. Um, thanks for your call. Thanks for <laughs> Did you want to play a song? Like... <laughs> But, like, you felt like you were, like, in a real – because I just love radio and you felt like you were in, like, a real radio station because – you were in a real radio well, station. Well, I was, but, like, there would be an actual show happening before you. Yes. And there'd be, like – even if it was a cold transfer, like, the guy before you would be like, well, and up next, Joe Baxter with his entourage of friends. And, like, he would really talk like that, but he's a pharmacist. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like – The cigarettes would be left in the ashtray, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It was, like – it was just this whole other world. Like, it was great. Which you don't get when you do podcasts now because, you know, when we do a podcast now, like, we're sitting around the dining room table. Re-recorded onto a tape deck, then uploaded via LimeWire. It's the Joe and Adam Podcast. Please, keep uh-huh. your seats. Keep so, your seats. why did you start the podcast? So, wasn't doing the stand-up as much, so I just messaged my mate and... Message comes back like instantly, like, why would you even ask this? Of course I want to do a podcast. He loves audio as much as I do. And it's just been, it's the best, because you're just sitting across from, like, imagine if you and I were mates. I know we're not, um, I I have nothing but animosity towards Mm -hmm. you. But, like, sitting across from a mate and you just, you get to make him laugh. And then you, you do occasionally, to your surprise, hear that someone else is listening to it. And it's just, it's the best feeling. Like, it's, it's great. On your favourite podcast platform. Platform. It's Joe and Adam. What would it be now since we did year 12? It would be nine years now? It would be nine years. 2011. Yep. Right. Obviously, temporarily, I'm working as a substitute teacher. 
I think I was on it's a very break. busy role, isn't it? Yeah, very busy uh, role, and I just managed to find some time to take a quick ten minute break. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so I'm out in the courtyard. This woman walks up to me, who I did not recognise, and she says, "You might not know me or rec- remember me or whatever, but she's like, I had you as a substitute teacher at St Pat's, and she's like, and I was nine months pregnant at the time." Now, she said she's just wandering around checking everyone's work and she got to me and wh- how would you describe my handwriting? Oh, I mean, it's, I, it's hard to read. It's a business. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's being very nice. It's shocking. <laughs> um, and she just made some comment of, um, oh, you might need to improve your handwriting by the time you get to the exams, right? <laughs> and apparently my response was, I'll improve my handwriting if you name your baby after me. <laughs> Get ready. She didn't. Last week, she didn't. Joseph turned nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> Two days ago, he turned nine because it's nine years ago. Can you confirm the inspiration for the name was you? 100%. Oh, my God. 100%. And so I started doing this podcast with Adam. So then we then started working with um, this Hubble program, which is, um, it's basically Fox FM down in Melbourne, their like development program. Right, okay. So I, I sent a bit of the podcast to a guy yep. who who I knew was sort of in the industry and he said, yeah, sounds good. Like, let's see if we can do something here to help you. They'd give feedback on breaks and like they'd get you to come in and do a demo and it was. What do you mean by feedback on breaks? You're actually on air. No, so you would do like a break. So like I would do like a segment with Adam, mm-hmm. send it to the guys at Hubble, right? And they would listen to it and say, "Yeah, great. Do more of that. Do less of this." So it's sort of like get you to sort of start producing stuff that they might put on air, which basically is they want you to talk about the Bachelor, right? <laughs> so so you start doing more of that, and it was sort of. Slowly getting there, slowly getting there. This is 2019 leading into 2020. Okay, so you times know, are looking good to go to Times Melbourne. are looking good. You know where this story ends. March 2020, they go, yep, um, I think I've done a demo and they say you can come in and um, you can sit in on the Brecky show, um, which I thought, great, because then I can just like foot in the door, you know, like start meeting a few people, whatever. It's going to do that on the Tuesday. And on the Monday, <laughs> everything shut down. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And That's it was, annoying. It was a little bit annoying. I'll be honest with you, Benny. I was a little bit annoyed. I might have said some words to the sky. I was not happy. Um, and so it was just all system shut down. Just a big doom. Like, just everything's gone. Um, so that was that was the end of that. So... Um, and then since then, obviously, you know, coming out of COVID, we've had sort of this changing of the guard with the way comedy's done with social media and we're starting to realise we can just pump stuff out online. Is it possible that you're actually in a very good space? Because if you'd been, let's say, doing this eight years prior, mm. you might be a more experienced comedian, yep. but you would need to have a massive shift. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. If I was... If it was if I was ten years further in, the the shift that some of these guys must be trying to do right now is is huge. Like 
And when you get your head around online content, you're like, you realize it's freedom. Yes. You have an idea, out it goes. So where do you see stand-up going in the future? Because there's still nothing will replace the, the live venues. No, nothing will. I think the way that comedians are going to be building their audiences mm-hmm. to say that that's going to change I mean it already has changed yeah of course you know? so that's been the big shift is you prove to an audience that you're funny online through podcasts build that audience that way I think you'll see a lot of people's you know one hour shows might look more like tours than a thing at the comedy festival because people are building these audiences online so you're right nothing will replace the live stuff and that's why a lot of people are touring. But the way that people know about those touring comedians is they've seen them online. So it's great that you can still see great live comedy. And quite often you'll find that the audience of a podcast will draw in much more people than yeah. a comedy show. Yeah, of course. And those podcast shows, which happen where they'll do a podcast in front of a live audience quite often, yeah. Have huge attendances. Oh, yeah. That's literally, I mean, my fiance and I went to a live recording of one in the comedy festival, and it was great. Right. And it, it's insane. But also, they know that they have this audience. My partner said to me, she like, she watches a lot of uh, YouTubers, and she said, um, oh, she'd show me this guy, and he's pretty funny. And she said, he's coming to do a live show in Melbourne. And I said to her, I wonder if he's going to be playing the play." Which, for people who don't know, is like hmm. the big theatre in Melbourne. I think it might be, it's at least a thousand. I think it's a thousand plus. And it's where Dylan played. I saw Dylan there. What, Bob? Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. There you go. It's huge. Um, and um, I said to Amy, I wonder if he's going to play the play, which, as you say, like guys like Bob Dylan, that's who you would associate that place with. And she looked it up. Sure enough, this guy's playing the play. Right. Because he knows he can sell a thousand tickets. Because enough people watch these YouTube videos. So it's going to be a great time for comedy because the live stuff's not going anywhere. So yeah. it's, um, it just means more people are going to be out doing stuff. So it's a great time. Thanks for listening to 20 Square Blocks. If you like the show, do the things that podcasts ask you to do. Subscribe, like, review, and most importantly, tell someone you know. Thanks to my guest, Joe Baxter. You can hear more from Joe on the Joe and Adam podcast. Music by Ryan Goodwin. He's a good bloke. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Anne Murison, who says, Hi, Joe. Hi, Anne. Well, she doesn't listen to this, but... Editing by the irredeemable Ricky Cheno. And thanks to H Studios for the use of their studios. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks. Next time on the podcast, I saw you across the road from where I work, and you, you were writing something on the footpath. So I thought, who's this young punk? <laughs> then you got closer and saw all the wrinkles. I'm not, I'm not exactly young, um, and that's that's part of part of what I'm on about because I've got four grandkids and I'm concerned about them as, in terms of the environment. Across the road from you is uh, the office of the minister for resources. 
So we were, we've been trying to talk to her for uh, a number of months and she hasn't been responding to our requests. So we've started to write messages in chalk on a Friday night uh, outside her office. Hello, Hello. Hello. 